Hey friends, I hope you're all staying as safe and healthy and comfortable as possible, and that you're taking care of all the people and pets and plants that are important to you. If I sound different, it's because I have a cold. I promise I'll try not to sneeze or cough. If you've listened to People Are the Enemy for at least a month's worth of episodes, you'll come to realize I am not a sports fan. Still, I couldn't help but noticing this past weekend a lot of football fans complaining that they now have to pay to watch NFL playoff games via NBC's Peacock streaming app at a cost of $6 a month. Of course, the first thing I started thinking about are all the things I could spend $6 on instead of Peacock. Here's a short list I came up with. A large can of mixed nuts. Two boxes of gushers. An eight-pack of hair clips. Twenty makeup brushes. A bag of jellyfruit candy. Any two novels by Andy Mascola. What's that? Who is Andy Mascola? That's me! And it's true, ten of my eleven novels are available in ebook format worldwide at both Amazon and Google Play for just $2.99 US or the equivalent. There are no ads on this podcast and there is no Patreon set up for it. The only thing I've ever asked of listeners is if you love this show and if you'd like to help support it and myself monetarily and get yourself or the reader in your life some excellent fiction, the best way to do that is to purchase any or all of my 11 titles. If you're not an ebook person, I've got you covered. All of my books are available for purchase worldwide in paperback format via Amazon. If you've already purchased any or all of my stories, thank you, thank you, thank you. I sincerely appreciate your generous patronage. And with all that out of the way, here's the quirky theme song. Hello, people are the enemy listeners. Thank you for checking out the show. You are now rocking with the best. Are you ready to get into it? I am. Wait, that's not loud at all, is it? That's cranked up. I was hoping that would uh, sound better, but... uh... That's about the best version YouTube can give us at the moment. That's, That's the song... Dancer by the group Idols. I love that track. I should uh, clarify, it's Idols and LCD Sound System. And that's from their upcoming album, Tank, T-A-N-G-K. I'm looking forward to that. That uh, is good stuff. Oh boy, yeah, I am sick. Uh, I uh, wanted to get, give you something, though, and uh, here we are. I don't have a lot, but I'll do the best I can. My whole weekend has been spent... Resting and uh, taking lots of fluids, namely herbal teas, which uh, seem to promise the world, but deliver very little otherwise. <laughs> the uh, the herbal tea packaging writers are like the most creative people in the world. There's like 
every one of these boxes, and we have we must have like a dozen different herbal tea boxes in the cabinets in our home. And uh, I was going through looking for something that just said like helps with congestion, you know, for a sore throat, etc., etc. These are my symptoms. And everything is like a holistic tea for an entire healthy body experience, you know. Like, nothing was, like, specific. Obviously, if I wanted something like that, I'd get Theraflu, which I did. I went out today and got some Theraflu, which is, like, a, um, you know, a mixture that you, you put in, you know, eight ounces of hot, hot water. You stir it up, and that uh, that helps get rid of uh, some of the congestion and helps your throat. I had one just before I, I took to the, uh, to the mic here. So I apologize. I've been uh, taking Advil. I picked up some Tylenol, severe cold and flu medicine. I know you don't want to hear this. I did test negative for COVID today. That was a good thing. I, I was worried about that and obviously didn't want to make anybody else sick. Had to go to my mom's today, wore a mask. As soon as I left there, I went and I picked up two COVID tests. Took one immediately as soon as I got home and it came up negative. So I was happy about that. I'm still Novid. I've never tested positive for COVID. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to keep that, that record going if I can. Um, shoot, what else can I tell you? A hot and sour soup. My wife went out for Chinese food with a friend. She brought home two things of, like, hot and sour soup, which, in in my experience, has been excellent, you know, just for clearing up, like, my chest and the cold. And th it, that's kind of what I get. I get, like, in a, it starts in the throat. It kind of works its way up. Again, I don't mean to talk too much about this. I wanted to talk more about Ferris Bueller's dog. <laughs> you say, What? Yeah, man, it's weird that Ferris Bueller's dog had such a small part in that movie, isn't it? Do you recall? Maybe you don't even. It was so small. But there's a scene where, like, you know, Principal Rooney is, like, trying to catch Ferris, and he goes over to his house and attempts to get inside the house, and, and he looks through the doggy door, and you see this, it looks like a Rottweiler, and I believe it's just snarling and drooling, if I remember correctly, and then it charges at Mr. Rooney, you know. And then somehow he puts the dog to sleep with a bunch of flowers. I don't know how that worked. But uh, I was like, you know, thinking about it today, if only because my dog is such a huge part of my life. And I thought, like, why wasn't Ferris Bueller's dog such a big part of his life? Like, I don't even know if there's any other reference to the dog. I don't even know if, like, you see, you see, like, a dog house in, you know, I don't know if there's a dog bowl. I don't even think you hear the dog barking. It's weird that, you know, no, he, Ferris doesn't walk the dog. Of course, he's supposed to be sick. Why would he walk the dog? But yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just uh, thinking about being sick and thinking about Ferris Bueller playing hooky from school. And I just started thinking about his dog. And I was like, why? Why did that dog have such a small part? The dog didn't even have a name in that movie. <laughs> Ferris Bueller's dog. And uh, also, while I'm thinking about dogs and walking the dog, why, why are we walking with the traffic? I, I really think we should be walking against the traffic. Don't you? Don't you stand a better shot of like, surviving getting hit by a car if you see it coming toward you it doesn't make any sense walking on the right side of the road if a car hits me it's going to hit me from behind and knock me down and kill me potentially i know it sounds gruesome but i'm like that doesn't make any sense if we're walking on, on the on the left side of the road you know and the cars are coming toward us at least we stand a better shot of like you know jumping out of the way i never understood that you know i walk very early in the morning and i wear a light and it's like a like a sling. It, it slings over my shoulder, and it's a light in the front and a light on my back. So, you know, I feel fairly safe, you know. But still, I'm like, man, this is crazy, you know. 
Uh, I was watching some podcasts. You know, it's it's weird to say watching podcasts. I kind of hate that. Uh, podcasts, in their purest form, in my belief, should be listened to. But there are, you know, very few things I like to watch on YouTube. And, and more than anything, I like to watch two people having a conversation. And one thing I noticed is some of these podcasters have plants. Did you notice this? I don't, I don't get plants, man. Especially, like, in a podcast environment. Like, I'm looking, like... Like, and thinking, like, Jerry Seinfeld's apartment never had plants. Did you notice that? And it shouldn't. And it made sense, I guess, because he was supposed to be a stand-up comedian, and supposedly, you know, he was on the road, meaning his character. So he wouldn't be able to take care of plants. Obviously, it was an apartment in New York City. He probably wouldn't have any pets. You know, that seemed to make sense. And whenever I think about, like, a comfortable place, I think about Jerry's apartment, like... I just project myself into it. I still like Seinfeld and I'll still watch episodes. But I feel like I feel like when I think plants, I think but the potential of bugs. You know what I mean? And I know that's not necessarily the case. And I know that, you know, a lot of places, you know, they'll populate their room with plants, you know, dentist offices and whatnot. Hell, my office at work has living plants. But, you know, there are fake plants that don't have any any kind of uh uh, you know, potential of having insects, assumedly, you know, unless insects for some reason are attracted to, uh, to plastic plants. But I see these podcasters have like these plants set up and it's just like, what are you doing? It just looks weird to me. You know what I mean? I can't imagine. Like I said, I know I've said this before, but I don't, I don't want to have any kind of visual component to this podcast. I like it. I keep it very simple. It's in its purest form. Um, and, and, and I, I was started to think though, just, just theoretically, I was like, if I was to have a visual component to this podcast, what would it look like? And I was just thinking, I think it probably would look like a like a, a like a sterile basement, like, like even though that's not what I'm sitting in at all. You know, I'm sitting in like a a room crowded with like physical media, you know, and like and you know like uh, uh shoot books. Well, well, books are physical media. CDs. There's you know, obviously again physical media stereo system. You know, I, 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 but that's not at all what I'd want to like project out into the world. I think it would be something, you know, I guess more like Jerry Seinfeld's apartment, right? <laughs> but I suppose in, in a weird way that, that sort of is uh, synonymous with my world, right? Jerry had that big rack of VHS tapes. Remember that? And then he had like a computer in the background. And then, uh, you know, if he was standing in the kitchen. You'd see all these cereal boxes. He had like 27 cereal boxes for whatever reason. You know, um, yeah, so these are just things I was thinking about. I wanted to let you folks know that uh, guests are coming. We, uh, I'm going to be doing an interview tomorrow, actually, with a person who, uh, who uh, this interview kind of fell into my lap. I'm not going to give too much away. Uh, I'll only say that uh, if you've paid attention to uh, lists of the best novels of 2023, meaning last year, you may be aware of this person, okay? That's all I'll say. And uh, if you want to know who this person is that I'll be speaking with that will be on next week's episode, then uh, I'd encourage you to follow the show on uh, social media, and you know how to find it. And uh, I'll leave it at that. Uh, and uh, with that, let me get into some clips here, because again, I'm going to keep it rather short, if only because I feel like crap, and I'm terrified that my voice is going to go any second, or I'm going to sneeze or, or cough, and I don't want to gross you out. So, uh, uh, cue that uh, clip music, Maestro. Whenever there's trouble, we're down the double, we're the blackout, yeah. If you've got 
Okay, I only had one thing for you. And uh, I thought this was interesting. It was is the stand-up comedian Burt Kreischer. And uh, he is, uh, is recognized by some youngsters, young boys, at what looks like a Sears, or perhaps a JCPenney. And, uh, and uh, they recognize him, and they're starting to ask him questions. And uh, he is unable to tell them a joke, a child-appropriate joke. And I was shocked. I was like, really? Not one? But uh, this is kind of interesting. I'll, I'll play it for you, and you can, you, can, you can hear his response when these young boys seem to recognize him from something and believe he may be a YouTuber. Uh, and he, uh, he, he has, engages them, and, uh, but is unable to give them anything, any kind of uh, joke. Here it is. Okay, just to stop it for a moment there. So the kids say, are you a YouTuber? Nope. Are you a streamer? Nope. Just a comedian. Uh, can you tell us a joke? And he says, uh, when I was 22 years old, I got involved with the Russian Mafia. Kid says, I don't really get it. <laughs> of course, it's not a joke. It's true, but it's not a joke. I'm trying to think of a child friendly joke I have. I don't know. I don't got one for you. Oh, I just want Take to care, ask brother. I just want to ask if you were a YouTuber or anything. No. Oh, okay. Just Bye. a comedian. Bye. Sorry to let you down, brother. Have a good one. It's kind of sad, right? Like, you can't tell one child friendly joke, even if it's just like a street joke. And I, like, I immediately began to think, like, for myself, I was like, shoot, if I was, like, a comedian and, like, a middle-aged school, uh, or, you know, middle-school-aged, rather, boy came up to me and said, uh, you know, you're a comedian, can you tell me a joke? I'd say, what's what's brown and sticky? And the kid would say, what? And then I'd say, a stick. All right? <laughs> or I'd say, um, uh, grasshopper walks into a bar. Bartender says, hey, we have a drink named after you. The grasshopper says, you have a drink named Steve? I don't know if that would go over well with the middle school age boy. <laughs> but I know this one would. This is a joke. And I think I've probably told this on the podcast before, but it's it's maybe my favorite joke. Uh, <laughs> and it's weird to be telling it two weeks, what? Two and a half, three weeks after Christmas. But here we are. Because it's a Christmas joke. Um, this kid, all he says is crap. And uh, his mother tries to make him stop saying the word crap, but uh, he uh, likes it too much, and he's saying crap all the time. So, uh, Christmas is just around the corner. His mother takes him to see Santa Claus, and the kid waits in line, and he goes and sits on Santa's lap, and Santa says, well, what do you want for Christmas, little boy? And he says, crap. So Santa says, okay, and then off he goes with his mom. Anyway, Christmas, Christmas Eve rolls around, and Santa comes down the kid's chimney, and he's there with his elves. And Santa says, ho, ho, ho. What did this little boy say he wanted? And the elves say, says here he wanted crap, Santa. And he says, okay, well, let's give him some crap. So they, they take feces, and they, like, you know, put it all around the Christmas tree. <laughs> they put it all around the Christmas tree, and they put it in the st stockings. <laughs> You know, they basically give the kid what he wanted. He wanted a bunch of crap. They give him crap. They give him literal crap. 
And uh, then Santa goes up the chimney. And then uh, Christmas morning comes and the kid wakes up. And he walks out into the living room and he sees crap everywhere. <laughs> and all of a sudden this phone rings. You know, and he goes and he picks it up and it's his best friend. And his best friend's like, hey, you wouldn't believe it. I got a super soaker for Christmas and a bike. Oh my God, I'm so excited. I got a new video game. I got a PS5. I got, we know whatever kids get these days. His friend says, what did you get? And the kid looks around and he says, I think I got a dog. <laughs> okay, I am going to hand things off to our friend Rachel from Des Moines. Thank you guys for putting up with my voice. Uh, I appreciate it. And uh, I, uh, I hope you have a great week. And at this point, I'm going to hand things off to Rachel. So without any further ado, take it away, Rachel. Thanks, Andy. Hello, and welcome back to Rachel's Chart Chat for another week. Thanks to everyone who listened last week for the third installment of Song Parodies Used in Ads. Would you believe I've already had some more sent in? I think a volume four is in our future. For this week, to cope with the heavy snow we've received here in Des Moines, I decided to search my 1955-2013 database from Ray Woodcock's blog for what comedian-slash-musician Howard Kramer would call Winta Words. So I'm going to share with you the top 10, really 11, highest charting songs with those winter words in the title. Starting off at number 10 is The Rolling Stones with She's So Cold. The song debuted on September 27th of 1980. It went on to hit a peak of number 26 on November 8th, and it was on the chart for 13 weeks. And part of that was during winter, a winter month. This was the second single off of Emotional Rescue. And the, the number of releases for the Rolling Stones is kind of hard to count because, like the Beatles, they had different albums that were released in the UK versus the US up until a certain point. This was the follow-up to the title track of that one, Emotional Rescue, which made it to number three. This song is, in order, is 32 of 41 top 40 hits for the Rolling Stones. There are 33 songs from that database which have cold in the title. Up next is Pat Benatar with her song Fire and Ice that debuted on July 18th of 1981 and it hit a peak of number 17 on September 5th of 81 and none of that time was in the winter. Uh, this was the lead single off of her third album Precious Time and the next to come out would be Promises in the Dark which did a little better. Fire and Ice was the fifth of 15 top 40 hits for Pat Benatar and there are 20 songs with ice in the title. Uh, although five of those are ice cream, so not sure if that should count, but uh, Fire and Ice makes, to me, makes me think of that Revlon perfume with the really cool bottle, and also, of course, uh, Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire. This one, I think, also has to do with more of metaphors, people's personalities being like fire and ice. Up next, uh, we have a hit from MC Light called Cold Rock A Party. That one uh, debuted on November 30th of 1996. It hit number 11 on February 15th of 1997 and stayed on the charts for 20 weeks, so that was during the winter timeline. Uh, this hit featured Missy Elliott. Uh, it was the second highest charting single for MC Light. Uh, another one from the same album featuring Escape made it to number 10. 
and I was a little bit confused as far as which was the single versus the album version. One of them is the Bad Boy remix. I'm not sure, but um, it seems like Missy Elliott rapped on both the album and the single, the remix. And the hook seems to be the basis of the Lonely Island or Incredible Bad song, Artie Party. I uh, really enjoyed listening to this one, and the video is cool. Missy Elliott seems like she's having a lot of fun in that one. Up next, we're heading north to Canada with Anne Murray's first charting single, Snowbird, that debuted on July 18th of 1970. It hit a peak of number eight on September 26th of that year. It was on the charts for 16 weeks, uh, so not in winter. There's eight songs in that database with snow in the title. And this is one of four top ten hits for Anne Murray. I feel like this might be her signature song. If not that, then Danny's song, I suppose. The snowbird, I suppose, refers to an actual bird and not retired people that go to Arizona, Florida, and Texas. Um, up next, we have a song from Foreigner called Cold as Ice. That one debuted on July 23rd, 1977. Made it to number six on October 22nd of that year. It was on the charts for 21 weeks total. Uh, so it did uh, make it into December. So that it was on the charts in winter. This is the second single off of their self-titled debut. And it was a follow-up to Feels Like the First Time. They are somewhat known for having this hit Cold as Ice as well as Hot-Blooded. And I read on my uh, LP.JP site, Favorite Reference, that Hot-Blooded came out the next year almost to the month. It was also... Uh, released in July. And in total, Foreigner had nine top 10 hits on the US Hot 100. And uh, one of the fun facts about them is they picked their name because they had a mix of British and American members, so they felt like quote unquote foreigners were no matter where they went. Uh, up next is Freeze Frame by the Jay Giles Band, and that debuted on February 20th, 1982. It made it to number four on April 10th. It was on the charts for 16 weeks. So again, part of that run was in the winter. This is one of seven songs with Freeze or Frozen in the title. Uh, it was the second single from the album of the same name, and it debuted while the previous single, Centerfold, was at number one. Uh, the music video is photoshoot themed in keeping with Freeze as in, I guess, a freeze frame on a video. So I guess I don't know why you have it be a photoshoot, but... It's all related to images and photography and video, I suppose. But again, not related to do with actually being cold. Up next, uh, we have Tone Loke with Funky Cold Medina. This uh, debuted on March 4th of 1989. It hit a peak of number three on April 29th. It was on the charts for 18 weeks total. None of that during the winter. This is the second single off of his debut album, which is a follow-up to Wild Thing, which hit number two. It debuted while Wild Thing was on the charts. One thing about this one, obviously, to us in 2024, is pretty problematic just from the jump that he's basically using some kind of concoction to try to get his way with women. Although on the plus side, the singer is never successful and learns an important lesson about taking shortcuts to what you want. This one was interesting to read on Wikipedia, the samples. It says the drum break is from Get Off Your Ass and Jam by Funkadelic. And it also has samples from Hot Blooded, mentioned earlier. Satisfaction, Christine 16, All Right Now, and You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet. And it says specifically that the cowbell sample is from Honky Tonk Women. Up next, we had the Bangles with their cover of Simon and Garfunkel's Hazy Shade of Winter. That was from the Less Than Zero soundtrack. It debuted on November 14th in 1987. 
It hit a peak of number two on February 6th of 88. It was on the charts for 21 weeks total. So that one went from fall to winter into spring. The original hit number 13 in 1966. The Bangles had top five top five singles, two number ones, two number twos, and number five. I think this song and its lyrics has the most reference to actual winter out of anything on this list. Um, some other singles off of that Less Than Zero soundtrack album included Rock and Roll All Night covered by Poison, Going Back to Cali by LL Cool J, and Bring the Noise by Public Enemy. And there's 15 songs uh, from that database with winter in the title. Up next, we have Madonna with her hit Frozen that had debuted on March 21st of 98. It hit a peak of number two on April 4th. It was on the charts for 20 weeks. None of that in winter. Uh, this is the third single, the lead single, excuse me, from her seventh album, Ray of Light. Other number two hits for Madonna include Material Girl, Causing a Commotion, Express Yourself, Cherish, and I'll Remember. In addition to all of those, she had 12 number one singles. And you can see a pretty cool uh, behind-the-scenes MTV report when they were shooting the video for this in the Mojave Desert. That's on YouTube. And finally, we've got a couple number ones for you. We had to have Vanilla Ice, of course, with Ice Ice Baby. That debuted on September 8th of 1990. It hit number one on November 3rd. It was on the charts for 21 weeks, so it did stretch into the winter months there. That was his debut single. It spent one week at number one. It's well known for the sample of Under Pressure, which Vanilla Ice, a.k.a. Rob Van Winkle, famously denied. I think this song really has lived on in a surprising way. I was at the movie theater and... They were family was getting some ice for their drinks and some ice spilled on the ground. And this middle school looking age kid said, ice, ice, baby. And I looked at the mom and I was like, how does they, how does she know that? And she goes, oh, it's from TikTok. So I guess this is sticking around. And I've always thought it was interesting that this 1990 kind of pop rap hit sampled a song from 1981, as well as You Can't Touch This, another kind of pop rap hit from 90, sampled Super Freak, also from 81. And the last one I want to mention is Paula Abdul's hit Cold Hearted, also a number one that was released on, no, entered the chart, excuse me, on June 24th of 89 and hit number one on September 2nd of 89. Stayed on the charts for 21 weeks. Um, this is already covered on Chart Chat back in People Are the Enemy 241. This is the fifth single off of her debut album, Forever Your Girl, and four of her six number ones were on that album. And I definitely prefer the single edit that has that kind of rap breakdown that's not on the album. The video for this one is really well known. It references all that jazz, the Take Off With Us sequence, and it was directed by David Fincher. And uh, Ariana Grande's new video for Yes And references this video, and I guess by extension, that film. So overall, there was 88 songs which had some of these words. Some of them had multiple words. We had also songs with Chill in the title, Blizzard, and January. Well, that's all from me this week. Thanks so much for listening. Back to you, Andy. Thank you, Rachel. Amazing work, as always. This has been episode 315 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Our theme song is Walrus Love by Nokia Ocean. You can find that song and more at pizzapuppies.bandcamp.com. My name is Andy Mascola. You can purchase my novels via Amazon and other online book retailers in both paperback and ebook formats for as little as $1.99. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you, Rachel from Des Moines. I'm going to go take some cold medicine. We love you. Peace.